So we have something special today. We have a guest speaker. We have a friend. This is Andrew Baldwin. He is a friend of Elam. He's a friend of mine. He's been with us before. Um, besides having a wonderful beard, Andrew is a former uh, Campus Crusade staff. He was an overseas missionary in an undisclosed country in the Far East, in Asia. Uh, he is a local house church pastor. He, for me, is a deep, deep encouragement and a reminder that we are all missionaries and ministers of God's kingdom, whether this is our occupation, because it is our vocation. We are disciples of Jesus that make disciples. We are missionaries wherever we go. And Andrew has uh, joyfully agreed to share God's word with us this morning. So let me pray for him as he brings God's word to us. Dear God, I just thank you for Andrew. I thank you for my friend. I pray that you would uh, anoint him by the power of your spirit. God, I pray that we would have open ears to you, that you might teach us all that you would have, that you might change us, God. And I just also pray that we might have responsive hearts. As you speak, may we be quick to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. So, um, like Ryan said, I was here about six months ago and was able to share uh, with you guys. I don't know if uh, all of you were here. Um, but you invited me back, so that's a good sign. Um, somebody said, oh, you're the fan guy. <laughs> that was Janelle. I don't have any props this time. Um, uh, yeah, or fans. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some of you? Maybe you're my fans. Um, <clears throat> but I do have Bible verses, so uh, that's the main thing. Um, I appreciate Ryan kind of giving some context on our relationship. Uh, it's been great to get to know Ryan and his family, we were already friends with uh, the Josh White family for uh, quite a few years now, about eight years, and um, have got to know the Ryan White family, and it's been a pleasure. Uh, we meet on uh, Friday mornings before breakfast and uh, encourage each other in the Word and just what the Lord's been teaching us, and uh, it's a really great time. Um, about three weeks ago, I shared that I was going in for a little surgery, and Ryan decided to make light of the situation. He sent me a Bible verse that was an older translation, and it said, I hope that you are straightened in your bowels. <laughs> so, and it was appropriate because it was, a, it was a hernia surgery. But what we've learned in the past couple of weeks is that he too is going to go in for the same. And so we're closer than ever. We are brothers of a special kind, and I just, we're going to be praying for you, hoping that you're straightened in your bowels. I had to get him back for that. <clears throat> um, you know, I was just kind of thinking, asking myself a question this morning. Why are we here? You know, why do we, why do, we do this? Why do we get together and, um, you know, have someone share a message and uh, other folks sit and listen? And um, I was just thinking about how we need change. Um, we haven't arrived in our walk with the Lord. Paul says that himself. Uh, you know, if Paul's saying that, then definitely I need to be saying that, that there's more room for me to grow, and there's more room for us to, um, to change and be different, and ultimately to be made into the image of Christ. So uh, that's what I was thinking, thinking about this morning. Sometimes it's hard to think that I need to be changed, but I need to be changed. I need to be made into the image of Christ. So 
Um, Ryan, thank you for praying before we started. Um, I, I want to share just what I've been reading uh, the past few weeks in my own personal study. I've been really focusing in on uh, the Gospel of Mark. And uh, it's a short, shorter book. If you haven't read it, it's uh, pretty quick. It moves at a quick pace through um, the whole story of Jesus and his life, where some of the other Gospels take a little more time. Uh, they go into some other details. Um, and I thought, well, I'm just going to take a look and see if I can kind <clears> of <throat> understand from be- beginning to end. And <clears throat> one thing I noticed right away um, was the word, the gospel. Uh, in Mark 1.1, 1, 1, uh, which I think this is going to be shown up on the screen. Okay, yeah, I've got, by the way, I've, I've got a lot of Bible verses today. And um, so I'll try to make sure that I'm, I'm referring to them up on the screen. If you can keep up with me, great. But otherwise, they're going to be up here and you can just read them. Mark 1.1 1, 1 says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's how the book starts. And then at the very end of the book, in Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So I observed two things. Um, the gospel is the most important part of this book. And by the time I'm done reading it, I should have a really good understanding of what it is. But you know what the problem is? Between those two verses, there's no other verse that says, this is the definition of the gospel. So I'm supposed to understand as a reader um, what it's saying by its context, what the gospel is. Now, there are some other places in the Bible that have a better definition, but it's not here. And so I was really just trying to understand, Lord, what are you saying by uh, the description of Mark and the description of Christ, what the gospel actually is? So um, I like to think of myself, I know Ryan does a really great job with history, and um, I like to think of myself in the historical context a little bit. Um, This letter would have been sent around uh, the Roman world, and so I like to think of myself as a Roman citizen, receiving this letter. Maybe it comes on my doorstep with a note from my neighbor. Hey, check this out. There's some really good news in this. Okay. So I start to read it. What in here is really sticking out to me as good news? Well, um, Mark 1.5 starts out with John the Baptist, who's a preacher and a prophet and a baptizer in water. And it says, people were coming from all over the region, and they were confessing their their sins, confessing their wrongdoing, confessing their shortcomings, uh, their evil. And John calls them to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord. And John is baptizing in repentance. So it's an opportunity for people to uh, come and confess their sins. But then he says... Uh, repentance is just the beginning. Mark 1.7 says, there's, co- there's coming someone who is greater than I. I baptize you with water, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit. So this is something unique. As a Roman citizen, if I were reading, this would be something that's, that's different, that's interesting. Who or what is the Holy Spirit? I might wonder. <clears throat> well, the word spirit refers to life. If someone has passed away, we might say that their spirit has left their body, right? So spirit is 
as life. And the word holy, we can think of that as pure and good or right. So to understand it differently, we might say that uh, this is the good life. And Jesus is offering an opportunity for the good life. Now, that's pretty interesting, right? If I was looking for good news, if someone offered the opportunity for the good life, I mean, everybody's kind of in search of that, right? Everyone's looking for the good life. Well, this isn't just any good life. This is the good life. And we see in in our uh, verses here, it's capitalized. Holy Spirit, capital H, capital S. So this isn't just any old good life. This isn't any old good spirit, but this is the Holy Spirit. It's proper and it's unique. For a Roman citizen, again, that would have been interesting, who they have many gods. They have many things that they worship and many ways to receive help from spiritual power. But this is talking about just one. And, uh, You know, that's not too far off from our society today, right? There's lots of ways to have a good life. But this is talking about the good life, the holy life, the purest life. And it's something that I should have. And in fact, it's something that Jesus comes to offer. Well, it creates a little bit of a problem. If there's only one good life, then and it's not the life that I have, then it's a bit of a problem. And especially if I'm, if I'm honest and if I'm willing to confess my sin, if I'm willing to come to repentance, I have to say, there's a problem. There's a problem with this life that I have. There's things going wrong. There's evil. And ultimately, there's death. What I have ends. And that's a big problem. I'm in need of a good life. I'm in need, but potentially, of the good life. So, again, let's look at the offer. Um, In Mark 1.8, which is up on the screen, uh, John says, I baptize you with water, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Uh, The people that were coming out to him were coming out from all different areas, and he says you. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I like to point that out because this is, this is the general you. You all, you all who are here, you all who are listening. And this you is not just the, the, the people back then, but the you is all of you. So the offer is made to all of us. Since Jesus came to baptize in the Holy Spirit, I can believe the same Holy Spirit is available to me. And, and I, can become, I can come to realize that this Holy Spirit is something I can share in. Another way we can say this is that we can share in the life of Christ. We can share in the life of Christ. The offer has been made to all people. Okay, but again, if this Roman citizen is reading this, they're not familiar with what this life looks like. They're not familiar with what this life can do. What does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And for us, too, we don't always have an understanding of what does that mean to fully take that on. It's like we need an example, like we need someone who could go before us and show us just what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit living inside. And, of course, that person's Jesus. 
He's not only the one to make us that offer, but he's the one to show us what it looks like. And he's the one to show us uh, how a person can live with the Holy Spirit inside. Now, before I start looking at some examples of what it looks like for Jesus to live with the Holy Spirit, I want to take a quick detour from Mark to Philippians. Philippians 2. And it says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. So uh, the message to us in this verse is that we need to have the same attitude. We need to empty ourselves and take, take on the nature of a servant. What do we need to empty ourselves of? Uh, pride and self-importance. And then we're ready to be obedient to God. Um, <clears throat> but this says something about Jesus, too. Jesus was in heaven. Uh, he was with God the Father. But he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. And so you know what he did? He let it go. He let go of his position in heaven. He let go of his power, and he emptied himself. He emptied himself of his power and position in heaven. Why? To come to earth and to live as a man and to be, be obedient to his father. And so this verse tells us something very important for us. This tells us that when Jesus walked the earth, he walked it as a man. We believe Jesus is God, and he is. But the power within him was not unique. Jesus gave us a unique example of how man can live. I'll explain more. Mark 1.10. It says that Jesus, when he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening, and the Spirit like a dove descending on him, and a voice came out of heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So now I know as the reader that Jesus has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now I can observe him. Now I can look at this life that he's going to live. And we're going to keep in mind that as Jesus walked the earth as a man, he was walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was living in faith, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit as he walked. Okay, so what's the effect? What's the kind of the fruit of living like this? Well, Mark 1.12 says, Immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was out in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. I'm not sure that sounds too exciting. The Holy Spirit comes on Jesus, and the next thing that happens is Satan himself is tempting him and can, trying to convince him to give it all up. Difficult is probably an understatement. Uh, Satan is the most powerful of all created beings. And not only that, he's evil and a liar, okay? But Jesus doesn't give him to temptation. And we read this in other Gospels. Can a man really stand against the power of the devil? A man alone cannot. So the good news is that a person with the Holy Spirit has the power to say no to temptation, even to the devil himself. That's good news. Let's look at another verse. Mark 1.15, Jesus says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. 
repent and believe the gospel. Jesus says the kingdom is at hand, or it's here and it's now. In other words, this isn't something you have to wait to experience uh, in the future, but it's something that's available to you today. Um, But to grab hold of it, our response must be to repent and to believe. So we're seeing some of the effects of the gospel, but Jesus, you still haven't told me what it is. In Mark one thirty-five. We're going to look at just another, uh, a couple more just events in Jesus' life and what was going on. These are simple, but telling. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded place, and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, Let us go somewhere else in the towns nearby, so that I may preach also, for that is what I came for. Okay, so Jesus got up in the morning, went to pray, and then when his friends came and talked to him, they said, hey, where are you? Waiting for you to come back. And he says, actually, it's time for us to go somewhere else. So something happened during Jesus' prayer time. What was it? He heard from the Lord. He heard from the Lord some direction, and then he took it. Okay, this is actually good news. With the Holy Spirit, we can pray to God. And you can have the ability to hear from God and the power to obey him. This is something I feel like I tend to take for granted. I mean, if God didn't make this way for us, we would not be able to do this. We would not be able to pray and and hear from the Lord. Okay, so again, thinking as a Roman citizen, this might be kind of exciting because I don't know anyone who's heard from Zeus, right? Like, This is, we serve a living and active God who has made a way for us to interact with him. That happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is good news. Okay. Let's look again to another example. I'm just bringing up, again, simple ones, showing the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Mark 4, 37. You know this story. There arose a fierce gale. And the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filled up. And Jesus himself was asleep on the cushion. And they awoke and said to him, him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So what's Jesus' attitude? He's in the boat, he's on a cushion, and he's sleeping in a violent storm. With the Holy Spirit, you can be at peace in situations where everyone else is afraid for their lives. With the Holy Spirit... You can overcome the fear of death. Jesus rebukes his followers for their fear. He says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So now I know that faith is required to experience the Holy Spirit. Um, If they had faith, then they wouldn't have been afraid, right? If they had faith, then uh, they could have overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the question to myself was, Do I believe that's available to me? I mean, I have problems, just like all of you have problems. Uh, I I work a regular job during the week, and that is a source of all kinds of challenges for me. (laughs) And I have the opportunity to choose to believe if this is true. I mean, this example is uh, power over the fear of death, but I could scale it back a little bit and just say, well, power over the fear of my job. 
right? Am I going to be afraid or am I going to trust the Lord? We can choose to trust the Lord because there's a power in the Holy Spirit to do so. We can overcome. 2 Corinthians 4.20 says that the kingdom of God does not consist of words, but of power. So when we gather together and we're talking about the Lord, we're not just talking about concepts. We're not just talking about facts to learn. But we're talking about a God who's giving us a real power to use, a real power to experience, so that we can interact with him, so that we can live this holy life. It's real. It's active. It's living. It's not just words. So, Clearly, Jesus is operating with power, but how does he use that power? I want to look at two other examples. Let's look at Mark chapter 9. This one's a little longer. Uh, It's not just a quick verse, and so I'm going to just try and summarize the story for you. There's a man with a boy who has a spirit, and the spirit's causing the boy to go into convulsions and fall on the floor and fall on the fire and fall on the water. It's terrible. And the man brings the boy to the disciples. Please cast out this spirit. But the disciples aren't able to do so. The disciples can't cast it out. And Jesus comes and finds the situation. And the man says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. It's a desperate situation. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And then Jesus healed the boy and cast the spirit out of him. So Jesus showed that the Holy Spirit has power over evil spirits. That is good news. But Jesus corrected the man and the crowd by telling them that the power is only available to those who believe. And he says, that all things are possible for him who believes. And this isn't just faith in general, you know, believes. Believes, believes what? Believes in what? That's not just generic faith or generic believing. Jesus is actually pretty humble here, and he's not coming out and saying it. But it's faith in him. Remember in the beginning, it's faith in the Son of God who's giving the Holy Spirit. He's providing this power. So it's possible to him who believes in Christ. And the boy's father cries out, help my unbelief. This is an attitude of repentance. I'm not having as much faith as I should. I have to ask myself, am I having as much faith as I should? Lord, help me. Help me in my unbelief. It's a good repentant attitude. Repent and believe in the gospel. The power of the gospel is available for those who believe in Christ. But certainly his disciples believed, didn't they? I mean, why couldn't they cast out the evil spirit? Well, Jesus says, his response is kind of strange, this kind cannot come out except by prayer. I have a hard time believing the disciples didn't say a prayer before they cast out the demon. I think they probably did. And I think that Jesus is saying something else about his life, something else about the way that he's interacting with 
uh, God. Jesus was not only believing with a full faith in his Father's plan from the beginning, but he was also always submitted. When I think about prayer, I like to say that prayer is the position of submission. Um, Prayer is the position of submission because um, when we pray, we're often, when we pray in the right way, we're often asking God. We're requesting of God. We're inquiring of God. God, would you? God, could you? God, would you? And even physically speaking, some of us, we have folded our hands and we've bowed our head. We've made our head low. Sometimes we're on our knees, right? Physically, sometimes we get in these positions that show, now we're really getting before the Lord and we're, we're making ourselves low because, well, we're not the ones who are in control. We're not the ones who are in the driver's seat. Um, I need to have a position of submission. And I think Jesus was saying, hey, guys, <clears throat> This is, this is something where you need to be living a life of submission. Uh, you need to be continuously in submission to the Lord and his plan. Let me explain more. Jesus was always submitting his life. John 5.30 says, I can do nothing on my own initiative, but only what the Father shows me. He was only willing to do the Father's plan, and he wasn't willing to do anything else. Okay? So, Jesus wasn't healing. He wasn't doing miracles just for the fun of it. Jesus could have healed a lot more than he did. Uh, When we think about it, Jesus just kind of visited a few towns here and there, and he only lived for 30 years. I mean, think of all the number of people that weren't maybe there in his presence. So Jesus didn't heal everybody of their sicknesses. He healed a few specific people. Why? Why why did he do that? I mean, if I had, you could think, if I had the power to heal, maybe just go in and heal everybody, heal everything. And the Lord works in mysterious ways at times. Certainly there are revivals and things that pop up. But why? Well, there must be a plan. There must be a good reason. There must be a good reason for the suffering of some people and why sometimes we pray and we have to wait. We have to be submitted to God's plan. He knows better than we do. He knows better than we do. At the same time, we do need to believe in this gospel. We need to believe uh, in this power that the Lord has provided to us. Okay. Jesus is submitted. Um, My experience, again, um, with power, when someone receives power, is that, you know, they just go do whatever they want. As as soon as they receive something powerful, a new car. Let's see how fast this thing can go. But Jesus is living with restraint. Jesus is living um, in submission, again, to the Lord. And I'll give you one more example where we can see this. Mark 14.35. Again, I think you know this one. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus went a little beyond his disciples and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Not my will be done, but yours be done. 
This is quite incredible. Because Jesus, he had the power of the Holy Spirit. When they put him on the cross, he could have just jumped down. Some people were even taunting him from that. I'll just come down from there if you're really who you say you are. But Jesus stayed up on the cross. Why? He was submitted to a better plan. And he says it here. He was willing to go through the suffering of the cross. And in particular, he was willing to be completely separated from his heavenly father uh, and experience true hell on our behalf. Uh, We haven't experienced that. We don't really realize what that is. And especially for Jesus, who had never been separated from his father. What a terrible experience that was. But the good news is that someone with the Holy Spirit has the power to give up their will, even to the point of death. So the Holy Spirit gives a power for submission. Okay. So how might we summarize the gospel? Uh, If you haven't caught it, I've been trying to emphasize a word. Uh, The gospel is power. Power for what? There's power to live a holy life, power to live a righteous life, the same life as Christ lived. So remember I said we get to share in the life of Christ. Quite a mystery. If I'm that Roman reading the Gospel of Mark, I would have a choice to make. Is that what I want? On one hand, it's good news giving me power, power over evil, power over temptation, and power over death. But... On the other hand, it means I'd need to willingly make myself a servant and empty myself and and give up control. And it may mean suffering that I don't like. So what about us? Are we interested to live a righteous life and to share in the life of Christ? To share in the same experience and the same power that he had Are we interested in overcoming the enemies that face us? There is suffering, but it's short and it's momentary by comparison. God is giving us the power to overcome that as well. Romans 1, 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So, again, the gospel is the power to live a righteous life. It's the power for the Holy Spirit to do what a man could not do. This is good news that we have the power to sustain in righteousness. So if you're interested in the power to live a a righteous life, that means, I would say, three things. One, repentance. Turning from the old dead life. That's number one. That's what John was showing in the beginning with water baptism. If you're interested, come on. You can, you can be baptized. Repent of your sins. Turn from that. That's not needed. And here comes something else. Second thing, faith. Believing in Christ to give you a new holy life. A supernatural life. One that's different. <laughs> completely different from the one that you have. And third, Submission, remaining uh, in humble service to God's plan by the power of the Spirit. So, repentance, faith, and submission. 
as I was reading through Mark, um, I tend to focus on the parts that I like. I tend to focus on uh, the exciting things. Yes, healing, miracles. That's exciting. But I realize I can't just take the parts that I like. Um, If I want to have the benefits, I need to accept the whole thing. Um, I need to accept the whole life. Again, that means a full repentance. No turning back. I'm willing to just set my old life aside. I need the new one. That means a full faith. 100%, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you say it here, and I'm going to follow you to the end. No more doubting. No more fearing. And finally, it means a full submission. Uh, No more trying to take back control. That's so easy. No more trying to take back control. I'm not able anyway. Only Christ is able. I can't take care of myself anyway. Emptying myself and putting myself in the position of a servant is much better. And so I hope you agree. I hope you see uh, just a glimpse into what Jesus is offering us, how we can participate in his experience uh, in living the holy life in living a new life, living a life that starts today, one that's not out in the future. Yes, the Lord will take us to heaven, we'll trust him, but we get to live the righteous life today, Um, and that is a joy. So I hope that's your desire as well, and uh, I hope that you can uh, continue to pray for these things that I've mentioned, a full repentance, a full faith, and a full submission. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for uh, opening up the gates of heaven, Uh, not just uh, giving us a way in, uh, but giving us completely new life, giving us a life that uh, is far beyond what we could imagine, uh, far beyond what we could do on our own, uh, far beyond um, the goodness that we could come up with on our own. Lord, I pray that we would see the value in turning completely from our old life, setting aside uh, all that we thought was valuable in order to be your servant, in order to be like Christ and to be on our knees, uh, simply taking your direction, uh, simply trusting you, Lord, on each day. I pray that this would serve to make our lives more of a joy. It would serve to make our lives, uh, Lord, resistant to the problems of the world, that in fact we would be overcoming uh, in you, that we would see we would be overcoming more and more, Lord Jesus, in our jobs, uh, with our health, uh, with our finances, and all these things that seek to tear us down, that Lord, we would see that you have power over it all, and there's nothing we need to worry about. Thank you, Lord, for making a way for us. In the name of Jesus, amen.